Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. So we're continuing our series, Mosaic, and um, we're in this series about uh, reconciliation, about repairing things being repaired, things being made right as they should be. And I think most of us agree that it's not something we learn to do um, in just general life culture and life lessons that we've learned. I think most of us would say it's very difficult to reconcile or repair or grow a relationship into what it's supposed to be. Like, that's difficult. It's difficult enough. I think if we're all honest, it's difficult enough to forgive someone or to give someone the benefit of the doubt when when we're in a difficult relationship. Like, that's hard enough for us to get to the point of, like, I forgive you, I give you the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to believe the best in you, like all that sort of a thing. But then to go even a step further and actually work on repairing or growing a relationship into something it's supposed to be, I think we find that like even more difficult, right? That's an even more difficult step that I, I, th- I think as we look around the world, as most people look around the world and we look at our general culture and we'll, how most of us are raised, even in the school systems we're in or um, the sports teams we're a part of or, you know, uh, organizations like dance groups or service groups or, you know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all that kind of stuff, we don't for the most part, you don't ever fully get a full grasp of how to do that, of how to repair a relationship or how to grow a relationship into what it's supposed to be. I think we get bits and pieces, and if we have examples in our life of people who have done that, I think we get it. But there's, there's not really a place other than those of us who would say we were raised in the church or around the church, like other than the church, other than the, the place of faith in society, I'm not sure there's really another place where people are being taught how do you actually repair relationships and how do you actually grow relationships to what they're supposed to be, right? We get a lot of um, pointing to what people feel like relationships should be, right? You get that all the time, whether it's romantic relationships and you get romantic comedies and so people are looking to the movies to this is what my relationship should be with my loved one or you have a lot of good ideas about how uh, reconciliation should happen across brokenness, um, especially in society, right? You get a lot of great ideas about racial reconciliation or social classes coming together and not being divided. There's a lot of good ideas out there, but the, the good ideas don't always work themselves out into um, a reality, into an actual coming back to coming back together or a healing or a growing to the point that those relationships were supposed to be uh, healthy and whole and what they were meant to be, right? And even um, some of the most noted like authors and philosophers of American society have noticed this. So you get someone like um, T.S. Eliot who says, most evil in the world is done by people with good intentions, Right? And that's just him making an observation as he looks at the world and how it plays itself out. He's saying most evil, most, most bad things in the world are actually done with people who have good, by people who have good intentions. Right? There's not this 
general sense, as much as a lot of people would like to believe there is, sometimes we would like to believe there is, there's not just some general, hey, I know how to make good things happen, to repair relationships. It doesn't just come from within us. There's, there's something that has to happen, and there's a learning that has to happen in our life of how do we actually repair what's broken? How do we actually build something um, that, that needs to exist that isn't there currently? How do we re- make this, this picture of how God designed humanity to work actually play itself out in our lives? That's a difficult thing. That's a difficult thing. And this series that we're doing in Mosaic is trying to display, okay, how do we display this picture that God designed humanity to be? This beautiful mosaic of a picture of all these different kinds of people who are now coming together under God's leadership in order to become a loving, sacrificial, um, servant-minded people, right? And so the first week, last week, we looked at that God's kingdom is not segregated, right? God didn't set up the world to be segregated, to be divided. And that word doesn't, we always go straight to race, but it doesn't just mean race, right? Segregated by any perceptive difference, right? Anything where I go, well, that person is a little different from me, so I'm not going to be around them. Like that, that's not how God designed the world to work when we read the story of scripture, right? And the story of Jesus. He didn't design it to work that way, so if it is happening that way, there's a, there's a bad reason why it's happening that way, ultimately, right? And we know that people groups get created in Genesis. God creates people groups. Why? Because of evil, because humanity was reaching a point again of complete evil to the point of destruction, and God intentionally separates people out into languages and people groups in order to hold back the evil that, was, that they were potentially bringing. On the world. So there's this irony that even that, even a God-acted separation where he separated us out was in order to deflect evil, to, to make it where it wouldn't reach to the point where it would cause destruction. But we know under Jesus, in the story of Scripture, in the story of Jesus, that all reverses, right? We get a re- repairing of the relationship of humanity with God, and then, because of that, what should be a repairing of relationships between humans, Right? We get this amazing display of God's intention for the world being worked out. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is, last week it was God's kingdom is not segregated, and this morning it's the gospel requires reconciliation. The gospel requires reconciliation. Like, it's not a side note. It's not a second step to the gospel, right? It's, It's a required thing, a reconciliation between me and God, that's, that's a part of it, but a reconciliation between me and others. And we know this, right? Scripture says over and over again, the Bible teaches that if you're not willing to forgive others, why do you think God's willing to forgive you, right? It forces you into this place of reflection of like, man, how, if I'm not willing to work on repairing relationships with other people in my life, and if I'm not at work doing that work in the world alongside God, then why do I think that magically my relationship with God is going to be in the right place. And so it's a difficult truth, but it is a truth nonetheless that the gospel requires reconciliation. Um, If you've been reading along with us, hopefully you read Ephesians 2 this week. If not, no big deal. We're going to read a part of it this morning. We're going to read verses 11 through 18. So we're going to read from Ephesians 2, 11 through 18, and I had it marked at one point, now I don't, so I'm flipping. 
But um, if you want to continue to read along with us, um, and even if you're not making it one week, you're following along with the podcast, we're just going through the chapters of Ephesians, so we'll be reading Ephesians 3 this week. But Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 18, and it'll also be on the screen for you. This is what um, Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you, through Christ, have broken down this wall of hostility that existed between humanity and you and between people in in our world, between us and others. And we just pray that you would make us one, your people, that you would begin to bring together people of different backgrounds and stories and family, family situations and races and socio- social classes and all of that, Lord, that we would see you begin to bring people together to make us one so that we might display for the world your very gospel, the gospel that reconciles us to you and us to one another. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all things. Amen. So this chapter, this whole chapter, chapter 2, has this incredible trajectory where it starts off reminding us that we ourselves individually were dead in our sins, right? That we were broken and had a broken relationship with God. That's the, the analogy of being dead in your sins. We had this brokenness between us and God, could not get to God, We could not have a right relationship with God, right? We were in this place of brokenness and that God went out of his way, went went out of, you know, above and beyond from his sense of the world and came to us and repaired that relationship, right? And so then in Christ, we once again have this now real relationship with God, this, this chance at a real relationship with our creator. And that then through that, Christ then provides the means, the way, to then heal the brokenness of the world where humans have been divided. That it's through his very act of death and resurrection that then 
reconciliation is possible, right? The imagery that Paul writes is that the, the cross, that in the breaking of Jesus' body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility between people. So not just between a person and God, that's already been established, okay? Our relationship with God is repaired through Jesus. Paul is saying, at the same time that Christ did this in order to repair humanity's relationship with God, it's the same act that has the power to then repair the relationships between people. People individually, and then people groups is what Paul is talking here, right? The Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and all the other nations, right? So Christ's act not only allowed the Jews who were near to God, he uses this language of near to God, meaning they already had this relationship with God, Christ's act on the cross not only allowed them to be in a right relationship with God, but also those who would have perceived themselves to be far from God, who had no relationship, previous relationship with God. That Christ's act also brought them into a relationship with God, and in the exact same act, brings them together in a relationship with God together. Takes down this wall of hostility that was there. And like we talked about last week, it, lest, lest we as Americans think we cornered the market on uh, division among people groups, <laughs> because we haven't. We're not the only country that deals with division among race, among socioeconomic class, right? We're not the only country that deals with that. We're also not the only people in the history of humanity that did. The Jews and the Gentiles had a huge divide, a huge wall of hostility, Paul says. And Jesus breaks that down. He completely breaks down this wall of hostility. And thus, the gospel is not merely a story about how we can get back to God because of what he's done to us, for us through Jesus, right? That's part of it. But a lot of the times we think about the gospel as only being the story of how I get to heaven, right? How I get to the presence of God. But Paul, it doesn't leave it there. He says, no, no, actually the full gospel includes how people become reconciled to one another, that the gospel requires reconciliation among us, among people. And we know that. We know that this is a truth from the actual gospel stories of Jesus' life, right? That he talks about that forgiveness is going to be a natural, a supernatural inclination that then gets put into you by God when you start this relationship with him. That an evidence of a relationship with God is that you're willing to forgive right? And he's so serious about it that, remember, he gets asked that question, well, how many times should I forgive then? And Jesus goes way over the top with his answer, because he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point. That's not the right question. You're not even asking the right question if you think you can number the times you're supposed to forgive someone, because the point of the gospel is that it's such a display of love and forgiveness that you should be willing to forgive what does he say, 70 times 7, or there's different translations of how many times, but it's a ridiculous number of times, because he's trying to be over the top, because he's trying to remind people, you're, if, you're, if you're trying to just get by, then you haven't fully understood the gospel, the implications of the gospel for your lives. Reconciliation is something that happens just like the gospel is something that happens supernaturally, that requires transformation in us, right? We, we have to experience this transformation of our lives, of now having a relationship with God when we didn't, Reconciliation is something that happens supernaturally. It's not something that just pops up and happens in some natural sense. We know this. We look around the world and we can tell that there's something else that has to happen in someone's life for them to truly 
seek after reconciliation with someone else. Something deeper has to happen. A transformation has to happen in their life. It doesn't just pop up out of nowhere. Great ideas aren't enough. If great ideas were enough for reconciliation to happen, then the civil rights movement in the 60s would have already solved all of the racial division in our country, right? Because they had all the great ideas. (laughs) There was not a lack of great ideas of how to solve racial division in our country in the 60s. And so it's not like we needed 50 years to have better ideas. We've had the ideas. It's not the idea. The ideas aren't enough. Knowing it up here is not enough. There has to be a transformation of the heart for people to then forgive someone who's hurt them or to build a relationship with people they've been divided from. There has to be a transformation that happens internally. And um, so we've started reading, and, and those of you who haven't gotten the book yet, I have more books, but it's a book called Multi-Ethnic Conversations, and it's a daily read, and it goes through this of how, how do we have conversations across dividing lines. We may have been divided from people who are different from us for a variety of reasons, whether it's social class or race or, or just background, family situation, right? How do we start to have relationships, real relationships with people that the world has divided us from? that we have become divided from because of the, the way the world works. And, and in that book, it emphasizes how our separation from other people is not justified once we've come to believe the gospel. That the gospel and the implications of the gospel requires us to seek repaired relationship where it's been broken and requires us to build relationship where there's division in our world, that it becomes a requirement of us, that it becomes an outworking of the gospel in our life, that we begin to seek out divisions that exist and create unity and brokenness that exists and seek repairing that, right? And it's very uncomfortable. It talks about how uncomfortable it is. That is not an easy work to do. It's not something easy to be a part, right? To forgive people who sometimes we don't think deserve forgiveness, if we're honest, that's difficult, right? to uh, go after people who have no interest in return, reciprocating, right? Who have no interest in reciprocating that relationship because they, too, have been taught, I'm divided from you for the, all these reasons, and usually they're not real reasons, right? They're untruths, we know this, that they've b- bought into because we used to buy into them, but now the gospel has given us eyes to see that they're not real relation, reasons to be divided from them, so now we're going after them, but they're not reciprocating, that's difficult. These are, these are difficult callings on our life, but they're callings nonetheless that God is calling us to break down the walls that are separating people, that we're a part of this work in the world, that he has started on the cross with Christ and now is looking to finish through his people, through his people that are called to be a part of breaking down these walls and then building up a new structure, right? At the end of chapter 2, Paul talks about this temple that God is building with his people, and a temple is merely the imagery for where God dwells, right? So a group of people that God is assembling where he will dwell, the fullness of his presence will dwell, and Christ is the cornerstone. That's where we get that language of Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, right? This is one of those places in scripture where it talks about that. Christ is the cornerstone or the foundation, right? of this group of people that will now 
look different to the world, the world will go, wait, y'all shouldn't be together, and yet you are because of the gospel and because of Jesus Christ. And some of the easiest places for us to point to where this is difficult, but where we know it's necessary, this kind of work is necessary, are the closest relationships in our life, right? Like in my life, the easiest place for me to find the example of how this has to work itself out is first and foremost usually in my marriage. And, and as we all reflect upon our closest relationships in our life, we all know that they're not, the, they're not always easy, right? Family relationships, marriages, close friendships are not always easy. They're not always clockwork. They don't always go well, right? That even among the people we care about the most, we have differences. We have differences of personality, right? So we react differently to circumstances in our life. We miscommunicate to one another. We say things in a way we didn't mean them to be heard, or we say things we didn't even mean to say. It just comes out. Right? We, this happens in a relationship. And in a marriage relationship, it happens, right? And so I'll say something to Sarah that I don't mean for it to come across that way, but it does, and she interprets it in a, way, in a way I don't mean. And so then we have to like work through the brokenness that happens from that situation. Because if we don't, then we're going to have a broken marriage, right? Or we come from different families, even though perceptively the whole world would look at us and say, well, you were of the same similar social class and you're of a similar race, you should be able to get along. We all know that that isn't true, that you still have differences with people who, from the outside looking in, you should be the same as, quote-unquote, right? So Sarah and I came from very different families, Things got handled differently in her family than that got handled in my family, right? My family is much more like an, what you would think of a stereotypical on TV, how they portray Italian families, right? We yell at each other. Like, we just talk loudly. We don't see it as yelling, but we, we talk loudly over each other constantly. Like, that's just how we work, and that is the absolute opposite of Sarah's family. And so we've had to learn how do you communicate in a way that makes sense to that context and how does she communicate in a way that makes sense to me and right this is true in all of our closest relationships we know it to be true so then why wouldn't we think it would be true among the people of God right among the people of God when there's so much difference among the people of God so much beautiful diversity that's the picture of a mosaic it's a beautiful thing so much beautiful diversity people who've grown up in different families, with different economic situations, of different cultures, maybe even speak slightly different languages than you, why wouldn't we expect that it's going to be a little uncomfortable, especially at first? That it's going to take a little bit of work? That it's not going to just come naturally, right? That it's not going to be a thing where like, okay, I'm now building this relationship with someone who's been raised differently than me, why do I think it's just going to be a natural thing that it just takes off, right? That doesn't make any sense. But we'll do that, right? We'll have that expectation. This person and I are just going to naturally connect. And then when it doesn't happen, we'll give up on it. We'll act as if, well, it's, it's just not meant to be. Or, well, and we start to justify it, right? We start to make up all the reasons why it's okay that that group over there stays where they are and my group over here stays where we are. And we call ourselves the body of Christ. But we know, we just, we know up here in our head, and even when we admit it in our hearts, like that's not how God designed this to be. He designed it to be this beautiful picture. Just like 
when he took, this is the beautiful picture of marriage, right? When he took the rib from Adam to create Eve, right? You get this separating of Adam into two. And then you get God immediately saying, and this is why a woman and a man come back together so that the two might become one, right? A bringing back together of what God himself separated. Well, then in the New Testament, that's the picture of the church, is of a marriage, of a of a husband, Christ, and of a bride, his people, well, it also works among the people of God. It's not just a bringing back together of God's people and God. It's a bringing back, to people, back together of God's people, period. That there's all these parts of God's people that God himself broke up. He broke us up into people groups in Genesis, right? He did this. And yet, his full vision of what he sees working out, what the people of God should look like, is a bringing back together. repairing so so the gospel requires reconciliation of us the gospel requires reconciliation of us both individually in our lives with other people individually and then for us to work alongside God in the world to repair and to build relationships with different kinds of people with groups that the world says should not be with us with groups where the world builds these walls of hostility we are a part of this like rogue people in the world the people of god that are actually anti all of these walls that the world creates and we're the ones trying to break them down we're supposed to be joining god and breaking down these walls of hostility so what are we going to do about it how are we going to be a part of that how are we going to create that sort of an effort in our world We have to reflect upon that. There's a couple things that we have to struggle with as we reflect upon that and close our time together and continue in worship. But there's a couple things we have to wrestle with and and just be okay with. We have to grow to be okay with. The first is we must leave our comfort zone. We must leave our comfort zone. And in racial issues and racial divides, it's the comfort of homogeneity, which is a big word, sociological word, for the people we perceive to be like us. We have to recognize that the moment I step out of this group of people I perceive to be like me and begin to form relationships with people I perceive to be different from me, it's going to be uncomfortable. What we're going to find, it was all perception anyways, that I actually have a lot more in common with these people I used to think were different from me, and they're not. We all know that to be true if we've ever done that in our life. If you haven't yet, it's a nervous experience at first. It's an uncomfortable experience. But each time you do it, it's just as uncomfortable. It doesn't get any easier, funny enough. But you get more used to it. You get more resilient towards it. You grow a perseverance of understanding. I'm going to keep putting myself in these uncomfortable situations, even though they're uncomfortable, because I know God is working in and through me when I do this. We have to be willing to get out of our comfort zones. We have to then be willing. That's not it. We're not just breaking down the wall. If that's all we were doing, it wouldn't be enough, right? Ephesians 2 doesn't stop at God broke down the wall. No, he's also building a people, right? So he didn't just break down the wall. He also is building a people. As we get to the end of the chapter, well, that's a part of it too. We don't just get out of our comfort zones in order to give forgiveness, accept forgiveness, repair relationships, build relationships with people, are different from us we also create a safe place a group of people that anyone of any background of any perspective would be able to come in and find love and find relationship and find acceptance up front like i accept you 
as you are, knowing that God accepted me as I am. Of course, knowing that God is not wanting me to stay the way I am, right? He's wanting me to grow into more likeness of Him. So we know that of the people we're welcoming, but we're welcoming up front to anyone, right? That's, we have to create this safe place for, for different cultures and backgrounds and perspectives, even things that at first you're going to have a visceral reaction at, right? Like someone might say something and you're like, no, I disagree with that, but I'm not going to cause conflict. I'm not going to just up front cause conflict and get into some debate over what this person just said because it's not my job to ultimately correct them on the spot. It's my job to love them, right? It's my job to embrace them and to watch God grow them as he's grown me. And then third, that we must be willing to have this sense of perseverance, this sticking it out. And we must resolve conflict when it arises. We can't just let it continue on, right? So we have to have a sense of, I'm, gonna, I'm in this for the long haul, right? I'm, in, I'm pursuing people who are different from me for the long haul. Even if a relationship goes bad, I'm not going to use that as an excuse to stop trying to build relationships. And then when the relationship goes bad, I'm going to do everything I can to handle that conflict. It may not happen. We know that. We know that brokenness in the world doesn't always get resolved. But I'm going to do everything I can from the biblical perspective to handle it, right? I'm going to start doing things like giving people the benefit of the doubt, which is hard to do. But you learn to do it, right? You give, start to give them the benefit of the doubt that they, maybe they didn't actually mean to hurt you. They just did. But they didn't mean it. Right? And you start to do things like offering them forgiveness even when you're not sure they deserve it. That's a, these are supernatural transformative things that happen in us that then result in relationships outside of us that begin to grow into this beautiful picture of what God designed his people to be. This, this gospel story, this story of how God came and got to us so that he could repair a relationship between us and him, but so that he could repair relationships between us and others. And we know sometimes that's not going to work itself out fully until the end of times, right? This picture where God finally returns and set up, sets up his full reign on earth. So it may not always work itself out, but it doesn't keep us from striving for that. That's still the goal. That's still where we're headed. That's still what God is calling us to be. So so where is God calling you to lay down your comfort zone? How can you help create a safe place, a safe group of people for people who are perceptively different from you? And then will you commit to sticking it out and to handle conflict in a loving and biblical way? Right? These are the things we have to wrestle with. So during our response time, uh, Brandon's going to come back up. He's going to lead us in a couple songs, so we're going to sing, but use this time as well to not just sing, but feel free to spend time in prayer by yourself if you need to sit right where you are, or if you need to come up to the prayer wall, we always have cards, and you can write down your prayer requests and put them before God. I would encourage you to do that this morning, to write down at least one prayer request in response to these things we're thinking about and struggling with, about where are you being called to step out of your comfort zone, who are you being called to go welcome that, that perceptively is different from you, right? That the world would tell you they're different from you. You shouldn't be welcoming of them, right? Maybe you write that down on a card and, and offer that to God in a prayer request. Another thing I'm going to have you do that we've done each week, um, if you didn't get a name tag, go get a name tag because we're kind of doing it as a, 
visual display, but I think it's going to be a neat display when it's all said and done. We're placing our name tags on this black poster board, um, and, and it's going to be a mosaic when it's all said and done. It's going to be this beautiful picture of the different colors and names of God bringing us together. So even if you've done it once, do it again, and we're just going to fill up the poster board with our name tags and the display. So as we stand and sing together, um, also respond um, to what God is leading us to do. Uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and, um, and then we're going to go into a time of worship together. Lord, we thank you for your spirit in this place. We thank you for our discussion around repaired relationships and how your word teaches us that we must be about reconciliation in this world. Because you have repaired your relationship with us, we must also seek to repair relationships with others. And we trust that your spirit can do that through us in a supernatural way, in a way we can't do on our own, that you're going to transform our hearts and you're going to then begin transforming our relationships with others. So we pray as we sing to you, as we respond to you this morning, Lord, that you would do this work in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray all things. Amen. Amen.